Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 77 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I'm joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So um, we've got some uh, Mets news to cover this week. Uh, we have resumed weekly pods for you guys in, in preparation for we did our own spring training and resumed weekly pods slightly before the season started so that we could get in the best shape of our lives for you. Um, so we have some Mets, uh, news to cover since the last time we recorded. Unfortunately, uh, Carlos Carrasco has suffered a grade one hamstring strain and will miss opening oh, day. Oh. No. Uh, this makes me mad. We it don't makes like me this. so upset. I know. It's sad because obviously, you know, we were all very excited to, to see him pitch because people were treating Carlos Carrasco as sort of the like throw in or the afterthought in the Francisco Lindor trade. Um, and obviously like Francisco Lindor is a, a star and the excitement around him is completely warranted. Um, but I was excited to see Carlos Carrasco pitch and now we won't get to do that for a little while. Um, it sucks. I mean, I feel like every, like, like, a lot of teams have a guy have an injury like this in spring training. It's just like, you know, like, you're not in in shape yet, and your leg's a little stiff, and you do a sprinting drill, and you tweak your hamstring. It happens. Um, it's just sad that this is the guy that it happened to, you know. And he had a good attitude about it. He was like, I'm not too worried. He was like, I've been through worse. And I was like, oh, what a good attitude to have. And I'm like, I hate that it happened to him because he does just seem like such a genuinely good dude. When you're a cancer survivor, it's like, eh, <laughs> what's eh. a hamstring strain between <laughs> Yeah, You know? Yeah. Um, I know, but he he worked so hard to get back to the field. And he, uh, I just hate that it happened. And this is the type of thing where, like, I mean, initially it seemed worse than it was because they called it a tear, and that's usually, like, real bad. Um, but then they called yeah. it grade one, and I was like, okay, I guess that's not so bad. It's, like, the lowest grade you can have and still have it be technically a tear. But it's really, it's a pulled muscle. It's not, like, he tore his hamstring in half, like, grade four, like, out for the year situation. Not the full Don Neese stretched out at, at oh, first base. 
Oh, God, oh, yeah. God. Oh, that was such a gruesome injury. I felt oh. so bad for him. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, and and honestly, normally, this is the type of thing where if it happens in, like, February, then sometimes guys do come back in time for opening day, or at least they're, like, ramping up and maybe they miss their first couple starts. But because Carrasco was delayed in ramping up in the first place because he had to, he, um, he had to get tested for COVID and then, because his doctor did not want, obviously because of his uh, cancer history, he did not want him, like, all the COVID protocols had to be followed to the utmost. And then he got his first COVID vaccination. He got vaccinated for covid and then he had to like he was sore afterwards as most people are like if your arm is sore from getting the shot you can't throw and so he was ramping up slowly for those reasons he was delayed getting in camp in the first place and then he got his covid vaccine and so he wasn't really like ramped up yet and so he has to still he has to recover from this and then ramp up get your get your vaccine in your non-pitching arm that's my like official (laughs) medical skill recommendation just other arm. You got two of them. It's so convenient. It's true. There's he no might have gotten no in his non-pitching arm for all I know. But that, that seems like best practice. Yeah. And they ask. You have a choice. I can vouch for that. I guess I can't verify for certain. I don't know for for sure that he got it in his pitching arm. I mean, he might have also been... I can't remember the tweets in the aftermath for certain, but he might have also been suffering from some other side effects, like general achiness and not feeling great. So, um... That was my- so, yeah, but it, you know, like, it's it's a good thing that the Mets built this starting pitching depth that they've built because, in the in theory, they should be able to weather this. Um, they have, so obviously, it, it, to start this, to start camp, um, when, when we thought Carrasco was going to break camp with the team, there was kind of three guys competing for one spot, um, and now there's sort of those three guys competing for two spots. So it was it was David Peterson, Joey Lucchese, and Jordan Yamamoto competing for those two final spots. It became clear pretty early on that David Peterson was favored over those other two because, you know, he's already had um, the half season or so worth of games uh, as a big leaguer with big league success. He's the homegrown guy. I think the Mets really like David Peterson. He hasn't pitched super well this spring, but, you know, it's spring. Um, So I think that he's pretty solidified as the number four at this point. And now they are making the decision between Joey Lucchese and Jordan Yamamoto to take that fifth spot. And both of them have pitched pretty well um, this spring. Lucchese had the bad outing most recently, but he had been doing okay before that. Um, And Yamamoto's pitched well. So I think it's going to be a tough choice for them between those two guys. Rojas did mention they were thinking of bringing up both, which, okay, but I don't know how that'll work. But sure, like, they both earned it. They both look good. Who is the, who, how many open bullpen spots did they have? Two or three? Like two, two, yeah. more or less. Um, Lugo. Well, Lugo is not going to break camp with the team. No. So you've got like, you've, you've really got two spots because I remember I was looking at roster resource this morning when they, when they kind of made that, that indication that they might carry both Lucchese and Yamamoto, which I think is the right thing to do, by the way. I do too. Um, and I was looking at roster resource because I was like, who does roster resource? Let me bring it up again. I mean, I remember the two guys that stuck out at me, but I was like, who does roster resource have in the Mets opening day bullpen and let me tell you that uh Jacob Barnes and Mike Montgomery both currently occupy spots in the projected opening day bullpen and that is Ew. not an ideal situation oh I now, I now understand why I had to ask yes so it's really those two spots that are kind of up for grabs the rest I would I would be shocked if anything if the, if a third spot opened up the only way I could see a third spot opening up is if the Mets cut their losses with Dellen Batanzas but I don't think they're ready to do that yet so the current bullpen as things stand is obviously Edwin Diaz as the closer Trevor May is the setup man and then in middle relief uh you've got Miguel Castro Jerry's Familia Dellen Batanzas Aaron Loop and then they've got 
Jacob Barnes and Mike Montgomery, who are the two guys who obviously, you know, you could replace them with somebody else. Robert Gazelman, interestingly enough, gets the shaft here and is not in this list. I mean, it's possible that he, in the team's internal depth chart, he is above those other two guys. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting how far his star has fallen. Well, nothing was it Drew Smith? Was he hurt? He's got shoulder soreness. Um, I don't think he's got a diagnosed ailment at this point that's going to like definitively make him miss opening day or miss time. But he's he hasn't pitched much. So, again, that might be a question of he might not break camp with the team just because he's not, you know, he's not stretched out enough. He's not ready. Um, He's not ramped up. So, yeah, he's been experiencing some shoulder soreness. I don't know when they're saying he's going to be back in games. I know. I know Vizcaino is back. I think he was back. And then... Was it this weekend? Yeah. 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 I believe so. Um, And then I think they're just... Obviously, Lugo's still sidelined. But then, aside from that, I think it's just one Drew Smith away from being healthy in the bullpen, basically. I'm so excited to see Drew Smith, too. Like, he he would have made the team. I think so, too. Almost certainly. Yeah, it's sad. I every time and like the the same thing happened last year. Like he was ready yeah. to make the, he was poised to make the team. He had a good spring and then, you know, the injury came. So that's Didn't he get into some games? I thought he was pretty solid or maybe I'm thinking of 2019. Mm. I don't know. They all blend together at this My point. My <laughs> timeline's all messed up with it too. And maybe I'm talking about 2019. When did he have the Tommy John? Uh, I, feel like. I feel like he came back and was in a couple of games. Time is recently. a flat circle. Because I remember, like yelling at the coaches, like you was Drew Smith more, but then I think he ended up getting hurt again. It was 2019 when he needed the okay. Time. That's right. So he was back in 2020 for part of it, at least. Um, so yeah, that was what that I meant 20, I I guess time is a flat circle. I meant 2019. Like he came into it looking really promising. He would probably break camp with the team. And then the news came in March around this time that he needed Tommy John surgery. And so he missed that entire season. Um, but yeah, so it was good. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. I thought he deserved a longer look last year. And um, I think. Did he end up getting hurt again last year? Or did they just not use him? I don't remember he, he an didn't injury. Really, he, was, he was putting up some good strikeout numbers, but everything else was was not really coming together. Oh, she God. said, reading his baseball reference line. This <laughs> <laughs> exact moment. He only got in eight games. Um, okay. But, like, had a six ERA in those, so. Yeah. Um, it wasn't good. Sad trombone. Sad trombone. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have made the team, though. I mean, like, Jacob Barnes has looked awful this spring. I mean, I think the Mets came into spring really liking him. Um, and he's gotten a lot of, like, shots and a lot of, like, looks um, by them. But he hasn't pitched well, like, at all. Um, and so I don't see how they can justify. I mean, I think, obviously, both Lucchese and Yamamoto deserve those spots over either Barnes or Mike Montgomery. Um, although Montgomery has pitched well. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think either of those guys could be like the long man, especially since Lugo is is out and he was really one of the only guys in that bullpen that could pitch multiple innings in theory. So they kind of do need a guy that could do that. Um, and so I'm fine with carrying them both. I think it would be the right choice. They've both earned it. Um, they're both guys who are coming off poor 2020 performances but were good prior to that and I think the Mets are banking on 2020 being weird and I think that's you know a fine bet to make in most cases um well imagine like previous seasons like we're basically down two starting pitchers and it's not a problem well I mean it's not ideal but it's not the end of the world either like Noah Syndergaard's not ready Carlos Carrasco's hurt and who knows, you know, like you said, they were hoping for Memorial Day. But we have actual, like, pitchers to replace them with, not, you know, a quad A guy you hope 
can give you five innings without imploding, like a Corey o- Oswald. Yeah, who's Oswald. still on the team, by the way. Yeah, will still be AAA pitching depth. It's just that there are guys ahead of him now. Yeah, fancy that. Yeah, like I mean, real major league sounds better than um than Corey Oswald fourth starter. It does. Yes. That's for sure. Um, I and also Yamamoto has a really cute puppy that, so I think that gives him the edge too. He does. It's true. You should follow his puppy on Instagram. It's very yeah, Piper. Piper. She's very, very, very cute. Um, oh, good. Oh. But um, what uh, what was I gonna say? I like had a thought and then I instantly lost it. But that's okay. Um, Pitching depth. Think- Yeah, pitching depth. I think both Lucchese and Yamamoto are, like, better options than they've had in the past. And, I mean, Linda, you said, like, two of our starting pitchers are uh, went down or are down currently, and that's not a huge problem. This happened last year, and it was a huge problem. Um, So (laughs) that is, like, an immediate contrast from last year where, you know, Noah Syndergaard got hurt initially, um, and they found out the news of the Tommy John and then not too long after that Marcus Stroman um, had the calf injury and then opted out so like they were down two pitchers and look what happened the result was disastrous Um, and so they're hoping to avoid that this year and I hope they can Um, they only need to really hang on until Carrasco comes back and then Syndergaard will be back like a month later more or less I mean I guess it depends on how long it takes Carrasco to recover but I don't think that I, I think that there won't be too, too long between those two coming back now. Um, so that'll be good. Um, but until then, they really need the guys to hold the fort, and hopefully both Lucchese and Yamamoto are good enough that they can um, hold it down until Carrasco and Lugo come back, and then they've really got a solid pitching staff. Um, we'll so see. we were talking a couple weeks ago about how the bullpen was an area of concern and somehow the bullpen has been legit all spring like diaz looks insane castro looks good castro looking good really helps because familia and batanzas were the main source of my concern and those remain sources of concern neither of them have looked good especially batanzas looks really good um our batanzas just looks so bad he's our neighborhood kid I and know. I'm so pulling for a revival, and it's not looking good. I mean, the book on him was he always starts slow, so maybe there's hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there might be, but like, it's hard to like give him the be- give him the benefit of the doubt on that when he looked so bad last year during the regular yeah. season. Um, I mean, again, 2020 was weird. Um, but he was coming off multiple injuries, and it's just like, like how far gone is he at this point? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I hope I hope he'll be good. They really need one of him or Familia to be good. Um, but if Miguel Castro can kind of like step into that role, like seventh inning guy type of role, then I would feel a heck of a lot better about this bullpen. Because um, his stuff has always been good. It's just. You know, he but walks when a million like, guys, yeah, that's the problem. Is he walks a million to guys, and then when he's off, he is off. It's like, oh, this is a rough day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Diaz has lights out nasty, which is great. Um, yeah. very excited to watch him pitch this year. I think, I think he's a guy that his 2020 is more like himself than his 2019, and we gotta hope that that's true because the Mets, uh, desperately rely on it to be true. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, but like, I left his quote the other day too. Like he's like, I could do whatever I want. I can get whoever I want out. And I was like, oh, the confidence is back. Yeah, and you Higher. that was missing last year. That was missing last year. I mean, like it's not like he ever was like missing that confidence, but it was more just like I know I'm good, but I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I so, think he, the juice ball really got to him too. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so the other bit of Mets news, other than the Carrasco injury, um, is there's been some, uh, some development on the, uh, Francisco Lindor and Michael Conforto extension talks. Um, the latest on both is that the Mets seem to have made initial offers to both players. Um, but there is far less optimism surrounding Conforto than Lindor at this stage, 
Um, Conforto, uh, Conforto's agent gave a quote, and it's not what you want to hear. He basically said, um, Michael is focused, uh, Conforto's agent being Scott Boris, um, gave this quote, Michael is focused on the season and his performance, not addressing any contract questions. That is not the quote you want to hear when, you know, you're talking to a player about an extension. It doesn't sound like something's imminent. Yeah. No. Um, and I mean, of the two, obviously Conforto was always the longer shot, given that Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris tends to be motivated to get his players to free agency. Not that, that Boris clients have never signed extensions. It's ha- it's been known to happen. But, you know, uh, he errs on the side of wanting his players to get to free agency. And Conforto is not dumb. He knows that he would be by far the best free agent outfielder available in this free agent class. And he's not, you know, the Mets would, I think in Conforto's case, the Mets would have to absolutely blow him away in order for him to sign an extension. We, there is no details known about what that Mets offer was that they offered him. Um, if it was a, if it was a low ball, if it was something that would be fair, close to what his free agent value would be, we have no idea. And I don't think we're going to find out because I don't think anybody's interested in leaking it. So, yeah, And Conforto basically kept saying like, I think he basically said, like, please stop asking me. I got nothing. I just want to play focus on baseball. Like, he seemed, he seemed to, I mean, I only read it and I didn't see what his demeanor was like, but he seemed annoyed that he had to kept, he had to keep answering these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's what he wants to be talking about right now. No. It just doesn't seem like it's close to happening and likely to happen. Um, Lindor's a bit of a different story. Questions, Michael? Do you know what would stop all those questions? Just signing an extension. An extension. (laughs) That would be nice, wouldn't it? No one would ever ask you if you were going to sign an extension. Ever again. Um, Lindor... Even Strowman today said he hasn't had extension talks. It's like, I know that's a pipe dream, but can we do Strowman too? Can we get a Strowman... I mean, if Michael can... Conforto continues to just, like, shut the door in your face, you could, like, turn to Syndergaard Perfect. and Strowman and start talking to them. Why not? Um, yeah, you get an extension, and you get an extension. Our owner is rich. We should be doing this stuff. Um, we should. Keep the good, fun players around. Would be nice. Um, but at least I, we hope that we can keep the the most the highest priority player at this point for an extension, which is Francisco Lindor. Um, There seems to be, there isn't any, I think like Conforto, there was no indication that anything is imminent at this stage, but I think there was at least a little bit more optimism. And we know a little bit of detail about the numbers that were thrown around. So we know that the Mets initial offer was quote, slightly below $300 million. And Lindor and his agent countered with an offer that was quote, well over $300 million. Now, that makes it sound like they're very far apart, but the reports, like, it's hard to describe. The way they're written doesn't make it seem like it exceeded the Fernando Tatis Jr. number, which is the $340 million. So my, like, best estimated guess based on how the reports are written and what they say is that the, like, the counteroffer is somewhere between, like, 310 and 340 And so that's not that far apart when you think about it. Like, if the Mets were offering, like, 290 and then Francisco Lindor and his agent are coming back with 320 or something like that. That makes it seem like they'll meet somewhere in the middle and get there. Yeah, that's basically, I mean, that's that's an extra year at 30 million a year. So exactly, there. I, I I feel like that's a. I feel like there's more personal investment in making it work out on both sides. For, for between the Mets and Lindor than with Conforto. They're just, the players seem to be kind of feeling a little bit differently about it. The team is approaching it differently. You know, it's not to say that they like low-balled Conforto, but it certainly doesn't sound like he was getting a big number. Right, so. right. And with Thanks. Lindor, it's, you know, I think the Mets know, the Mets know that they will be clowned on, like, by everyone forever. If they don't get this done, they know this. They like they're not they may be like annoying sometimes, but they're not like completely stupid. They know that the fans will like almost riot at this point if they don't get it done. And I think, you know, I think they know this and they'll get it done. Um, I think. Yeah, like they're not they're not that far apart. 
I, I think if it takes the extra year, it takes the extra year, and it'll be what it is. I think it's fine. I'm not worried. Well, and I also love that, like, all of a sudden he's, like, heated up in spring. It's like, yeah, you really want to let this go? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, he's just, he, ugh. Like, his swing is, I didn't realize how pretty it was. Like, when it's he gets nice into swing. one, it, yeah, it, it flies. And, like, he hit a grand slam, and then he hit the, what was it? A, no, it was just a solo shot today. And, um, you know, it's like, all of a sudden, he's just taken off. And it's like, yeah, this is the star you got. This is the Lindor we were expecting. And he's basically showing the fans, like, you can't afford to lose me. And can't and telling the Mets you can't afford to lose me. So I hope they can. Well, the Mets, the longer they wait. He's not going to get any cheaper. No, the price tag's going up here, Mets. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There aren't any quotes out there, unlike the Conforto agent, unlike Scott Boris's quote. There aren't any quotes out there that like temp that that can directly temper optimism about them breaching an agreement. So I think it's still like pretty likely at this point. I mean, every day that goes by, I naturally get a little bit more nervous because the the percentage likelihood decreases slightly with every day cuz he cuz Lindor did say he will not negotiate past opening day. So if this doesn't happen by opening day, then then we can start to become extremely concerned. Um but you know, this happened with Jacob deGrom too. The Jacob deGrom extension did not come until the 11th hour. Um, yeah, I and remember then all of a we were it was out. freaking out about that man. I was losing my mind. <laughs> I was too. I really thought he was gone because we were like, if you can't get it done with his former agent as the GM, like it would, it was never gonna happen. And he never achieved as GM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like that and the and the JD Davis trade, and that. Yes, is it. thank you. <laughs> I'm letting Pete start the season. In, in the majors. Those were like his three, I guess, biggest successes. <laughs> I'd like to do a um, a small shout out to the Justin Wilson signing. That was good, yeah. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> this is one Wilson. like good free agent signing. That's like like the below JD. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. I, I Linda, I'm not trying to take the spotlight off your mans. JD was a much more important acquisition. I'm just saying that that was a well, that said, yeah, though, I will I will grant him Justin Wilson. I will give him that. When are the Yankees going to stop signing former Mets lefty relievers? Because um he has pulled up with an injury in Yankees camp and I'm getting big Pedro Feliciano vibes over here, which I hope oh, not man. because yeah. I like Justin Wilson. Just, I, I do like too. Feliciano, and I'm just feeling like as Brian Cashman would that be a consideration next time around? Would I be like, hmm, Mets And left. did the Mets hmm. know? Yeah, like, did the Mets know something? Is that Because they never really showed any interest in him, and he was pretty solid for them, and they needed bullpen help. And so now it's just, I don't know. Not to be put on, like, my tinfoil hat, but I don't know. That he got hurt so early in Yankees camp, like, did the Mets know something? I suppose it's not. possible. Um I think I, with with regard to the Lindor extension, I think lots of people outside of even Mets world are kind of waiting with bated breath on this because this has effects beyond the Mets that I think that people don't even realize because there are we people have talked extensively about the like really robust free agent market for shortstops next year yeah. and how many stars are in it. Those guys, a bunch of those guys are also kind of deciding whether they're going to extend with their teams those discussions are underway with those players and I think Francisco Lindor kind of holds all the cards here I was just talking I was on an Astros podcast last night and they're having conversations with Correa and they were saying I don't think this happens until Lindor sets the bar because the rest of them are waiting to see what is Lindor going to get. Because I think obviously Fernando Tatis Jr. has obviously set like the absolute top ceiling, right? Um, and they're waiting for Lindor to kind of like be like maybe the Manny Machado level and to see like how they can like base their negotiations off of what these other players are getting. And they're waiting for Lindor to go first because he's the cream of the crop that's 
available right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what follows with guys like Carlos Correa, Javi Baez, um, Trevor Story, who we know is probably not extending because well, the Rockies are a hot mess, and we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, and uh, I'm forgetting guys, Corey Seager. Um, yeah, so like that crop of players is all thinking about whether they want to test free agency or not. And I think Francisco Lindor's extension will have bearing on their negotiations as well. I was also saw, and I, I apologize because I can't remember which of the beats was talking about this on Twitter, is that like um, Lindor also, because of what the market's going to look like, he does have some incentive to try to get this done now. Like that's not a great market that you want to be in the middle of in an off season, like without a contract for the, like it, it can be easy to kind of get undercut when there's lots of, different options around yeah so well i and when few people are even trying to compete it's like you might be the best talent but does anybody want your talents yeah not wanting talent is certainly a major theme of most major league baseball teams nowadays yeah unfortunately very sad um but i hope that the mets can buck that trend a little bit and do the right thing and give Francisco and Dor however damn much money he wants. <laughs> give yeah. him however much money he wants. Please, Mets. Give him a mess. Yeah. It's, it's and I feel like, cause like even he said, um, you know, and I even think Piazza said this too when they talked about it, like he's feeling them out too. Like he has to make sure this is where he wants to stay for him, for his family, for, what, like, eight years. So, but, like, everybody's raved about him. Like, Rojas has called him, like, another coach in the clubhouse. Um, he's been teaching J.D. He's been helping J.D. with his, with his defense. And Pete was raving about him. So it seems like he just came in and, like, fit in right away in the clubhouse. So, you know, if he... I, I would assume he if they all love him, then it would be reciprocated on his part. So, like, I get, like, you, you don't want to sign an extension right away, but I hope, like, the feeling out period is giving him good vibes. Maybe, like, Strowman's, like, good vibes, like, are wearing off on one door. I hope and so. Yeah, and he wants to stay. Speaking of that, um, another, like, you, uh, Lindo mentioned that, like, he's kind of already taken a leadership role. And speaking of good vibes, I noticed that today because Marcus Stroman was on the mound. France, uh, at one point, he, he, like, stepped off and Francisco Lindor came right to the mound to talk to him. He was the first, he was there before the catcher was there. Um, oh. That was, like, a big thing. Like, it was, like, a moment where, you know, Stroman was in a little bit of trouble and Lindor came right to the mound. So, like, he's already that guy for the Mets. Um, which is which is cool to see as a guy who just got here, but he knows he knows what he means to this team already, um, and I think that you know they're motivated to keep him here. Um, yeah, I don't think like anybody has an issue like the, oh the new guy's taking over. It doesn't seem like that's it at all. Like it seems like they've welcomed him with open arms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So speaking of uh, teams not wanting talent, uh, so we mentioned we mentioned Trevor's story um, in that crop of uh, 
star free agent potential free agent shortstops and of that crop uh trevor story is the most likely to reach free agency because the rockies are a complete mess um we already knew this because they traded nolan arenado and that saga has dragged on for years now the souring of the relationship between their star that they had extended um and the team but there was recently a piece published in The Athletic um, by Ken Rosenthal and Nick Grokey. Groke, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name, Nick. I'm sorry. Um, but they wrote a rather explosive story about the Rockies' front office that revealed several troubling details, including stuff about the Nolan Arenado saga. But the thing that, you know, stuck out most to me and to many people talking about this story um, is the... Um, the fact that they were making front office staff work as clubbies during the 2020 season. So basically they had these analytics staff working in the front office, uh, like during the regular, like nine to five sort of job. And then afterwards they were having them like wash uniforms and stuff, which is wild. In like 14, 15 hour days. Yeah. I'm trying to find the exact passage from the article because it was insane. Um, employees. This should not be controversial. Like when you have jobs for your business that need to be done, pay somebody to do them. Sorry to be a radical about this, but yeah. So, so this is the this is the exact passage from the article. Rather than bring back furloughed part-time clubhouse attendants. For the short for the shortened sixty game season in twenty twenty, they assigned more than a, a half dozen full time front office staffers to work the job as clubbies, including shining shoes, cleaning laundry, and buying chewing tobacco for players in both the home and visiting clubhouses at Coors Field. That is wild. And there was like a quote uh, later in the article. I can't find it now, but there is a there was a quote by one of those front office staffers where like he said that somebody would come up to him and be like, I need the stats on like so-and-so pitcher. And he'd be like, are uh, like arms full of laundry. And he'd be like, I can't do that right now. Oh <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> like I get like everybody in baseball is cheap. Like we've, we've covered that extensively um, about how people don't want talent, but this is just you being an asshole. Like there's literally zero reason to make your, your front office staff wash uniforms. Like, there's no way anybody, I mean, obviously the Rockies are that cheap, but how are you that cheap? This is just the most craven, like, bullshit imaginable. Like, this is, this is like parody stuff. This is the type of stuff that, like, a parody, like, The Onion would write about cheap baseball executives. Yes. And it's real life. And, like, never mind also the furloughed part time clubhouse attendants who didn't have jobs you know usually would have jobs now no job just because they didn't feel like signing a paycheck i just you know if the rockies want to sit there and say that they literally can't afford clubhouse attendance go ahead and open the books yeah show us us, show us the numbers and if you're in that thing of a trouble then maybe you shouldn't have a team like then maybe the owner has to sell yeah for real for real. I'm trying to find because, oh yeah, this is this is wild. So I'm like, I'm finding the receipts right now because... Although there is that other twist now where um, is it Breidich might have yeah, a Jeff burner Bridich, account? Breidich, that's what I was looking Breidich. for the receipts for. So um, another twist of this is that people were obviously like post- were tweeting about this stuff today and so someone... Someone tweeted about, um, someone tweeted, oh yeah, it was, in res- it was a reply to the, uh, to Nick Grokey, the, uh, the guy from The Athletic who wrote the article. It was a reply from a, an account, a to- uh, an account, uh, that's at Mr. Thomas B 77 and the display name is just Thomas B 77. This account joined in, I forget, let me find it. They have 94 followers. Um, they joined in March. They joined Twitter in March. They have 94 followers, and they are only following one account, which is the Colorado Rockies. So and this no account replied to the author of the athletic piece. I can't begin to tell you how much is incorrect here, 
in this article. One day you will all recognize what Jeff is doing for this team. Jeff being Jeff Breidich, the general manager of the Colorado Rockies. Now somebody eventually like screen capped Jeff Breidich's like Wikipedia page. Um, and it says, and like, basically, you know, on someone's Wikipedia, they have like someone famous, they have the little square that tells you like their full name, when they were born, how old they are, etc. So his full name is Jeffrey Thomas Breidich, and he was born September 10th, 1977. So somebody like, like screen capped that and was like, hmm, Thomas B 77. Like, it's so obvious that this is, like, so it's either a really good troll job, somebody, like, pretending that they are a Jeff Breidich burner account, or it's a Jeff Breidich burner account. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that it's possible, like, tells you all you need to know about the organization. Yeah. Like, oh, God, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I can't even begin to tell you how much is wrong in this article. It's like, okay, then say, tell us. Yeah, come on, point it out to me. What do you know? Yeah, hold a news conference, tell us what's wrong with it. Tell us what's wrong. Look, you can either root your burner accounts in some random facts about your life, or you can use your burner accounts to talk yourself up in anonymous replies to articles. You cannot do that. That is where where the problem comes. All you have to do is just pick a lane. And might I suggest, if you're going to make a burner account... And you're going to pick a lane here. Pick Noah Syndergaard's lane and make a burner account to follow Rich Staff and tell him his wife isn't coming back. That's how I suggest burner accounts be used. We have to find Noah's burner account. I know. (laughs) But I also don't like where to start. (laughs) It's getting getting insane now. Um, This is a very, to our listeners, this is a very, like, insular, like, Amazing Avenue slash Mets Twitter joke. Um, one of our one of our uh, our writers, Rich Staff, has become rather Twitter famous because he well his tweets are incredible. He makes incredible tweets. He deserves everybody all the followers. should follow Rich. Everyone anyway. should follow Rich. He makes incredible tweets. But the, the, we started by we I mean um, Jarrett Seidler mostly um, and Jeff Padnashro and the rest of the Amazing Avenue and the Amazing Avenue staff started this like concerted effort that's kind of started as a bit. And it's still a bit, but it's just like gone really far now uh, to like get everyone to follow Rich. And now he's gotten like way more followers than any of the rest of us. And we're trying to get him to 10,000 followers by opening day. And one of the reasons why he's got gotten so many followers is because Noah Syndergaard constantly tweets at him that his wife is not coming back, um, (laughs) which is incredible. Um, And so and and like he obviously has a burner account. Yeah, Yeah. unprompted stuff at this point. At first it was always like a back and forth banter, like which would reply to one of Noah Syndergaard's tweets being like, hey, Noah, is my wife ever coming back? And he'd be like, no, Rich, your wife's never coming back. But now he just like tweets about it unprompted all the time, which makes you think that he has a burner account that follows Rich because he he will just like quote tweet him randomly, um, which is incredible. (laughs) I love it so much. God, I miss Noah. I know. I miss Syndergaard on the team. Yeah, the team is more fun with him shit posting. <laughs> it is. Pitching well. That definitely is like a not insignificant factor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um and yeah, it's like it's funny because like Noah Syndergaard is like not pitching right now, so he has more time to be online and meanwhile like Pete Alonso seems completely locked in in spring training because he is just logged off completely, which I I envy him. I wish I could yes. log off. We, yes. we should all be logging off more often. Pete Alonso seems to have benefited from it greatly. Yeah, um, Pete is who we should all look up to here. Exactly. But in the meantime, Noah Syndergaard's tweets are quite funny. And it's well, funny. then you have Strowman just sending out good vibes into the world. Yep. He uses his social media for good. Yep, our players are fun. I really like them. Um, the, the other note that I want to say about the, the Rocky situation, um, it, well, there's one more quote that I want to read from this from this article. Um, 
<laughs> because it's it, again so this is like kind of it's kind of like once you see this brightish burner account you're kind of like yep this makes sense because the the arrival executive is quoted in the article as saying they're one of the weirdest front offices to deal with we're never really close to being on the same page on any concept we talk about my feeling is they're very insular so like it kind of just reinforces like all these things the like doing the like making front office employees double as clubbies because you are too cheap to pay clubhouse attendance and like this weird like insular culture even though like some of these like particular things might be unique to the Rockies these concepts are not unique to the Rockies front office like these baseball front offices are like so full of the most cynical just like hedge fund Wall Street dude bullshit imaginable and it's just like we may not be talking always about like the racism, the sexism on a daily basis, but it's these smaller things too, like these these things behind the scenes that really show the the culture of these front offices. It's ugh, it's something. Well, you also had to laugh. Um, I think it was another rival exec that said, um, "I hope Jeff like." never loses his job and it's like i hope he always has a job laughs like they they're the rockies are a laughing stock and i feel for their fans there goes my mic um (laughs) (laughs) i feel for their fans because that was that was us that was us and you know we've we've all been there about how the rest of the league just your mockery of of baseball. I mean, like we've said, you know, it's not. It's probably more rampant than we want to admit. But um, to have it out all in the public like that, it, you know, it, it makes you embarrassed to be a fan. And this is just, you know, baseball is trying to, you know, get so concerned about losing fans, and this is a big part of it. What Rockies fan is going to say they're proud to be a Rockies fan right now? And more like, you know, it's supposed to be this, you know, it's going to be an amazing thing when people can go back to games and they're running that campaign now. Um, Like all the sports are running the same video of people back in the stands and saying, um, you know, the vaccines are here. We hope to see you again. And so, you know, that's a good thing. They're encouraging (laughs) There goes my microphone again. Bad mic. Um, to get vaccinated and control, but, yeah. But what Rockies fan is gonna is gonna go? Like they probably have better things to do right now when they're free to go do things. So, um, so yeah, Manfred was really that concerned about fans and getting fans back into the stands. This was this is something he should take a long hard look at. Yeah, I mean, being like it's. Obviously, like, I would always rather win than lose. But when it comes to being a fan, the losing, obviously I'm a Mets fan, so I know what losing is like. The losing (laughs) I can swallow more readily than I can swallow continuously being a circus, which the Mets were for a long time. Absolutely. Um, And that's the type of stuff that, like you said, Linda, makes you embarrassed. Like, I am a lot, maybe I'm alone here, like, maybe we collectively on the podcast are alone here, but I'm a lot more embarrassed by that stuff than I ever am by, like, losing a game 13 to nothing or whatever. Like, as much as the Mets have been a joke for so long, um, they extended David Wright. They didn't yeah. trade. Right. They kept him around. Yeah. They kept DeGrom. They kept Wright. They kept their franchise players around. They kept Piazza. They kept Piazza, um, and hopefully they will keep Lindor. Even, but the Mets have, like, the Mets have never, in their way, the Mets just don't roll over like that. They're not like, okay, we'll just be terrible. You know, they they try to win, and though they fail spectacularly, that's that's, <laughs> that's just what they the, do. That's just how it is. But, like, they try. And now you have the teams like the Rockies where – you know, you still got the like complete ineptitude and mismanagement and like twisted incentives. But also, like if they if they lost a hundred games, they would think that that was pretty cool, and they're probably going to get a good draft pick. Like it wouldn't even be there wouldn't even be particularly negative to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because a lot of, like, with the Rockies and with, you know, other teams, like, they're blowing up good teams to do this. It's not like they're like, oh, time to rebuild because we're already really bad and might as well just, like, lean in. Like, no, they, like, purposefully blow up good teams to do this. Like, the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado to do this. And the Rays did it. The Rays were almost in the World Series last year. The Rays year, traded Blake Snell. <laughs> Wait, were they in the World Series or was that the ALCS? Oh. <laughs> it was one the World Series. Well, I mean, I, I feel like first time in recent year that I re- recent years that I saw this, what I feel like was when the Marlins blew up an all-star outfield. Yeah. And like granted, like Stanton wasn't on a great contract, but the other two were cheap and young and and Stanton is still good and they didn't even really like they didn't even really get much back for it or look. I mean, it was just really about like, ah, don't want to, don't want to deal with these expenditures. Let's just, let's just start scratch, see what we get. Maybe something almost as good as that outfield. Well, and I think that was also kind of gross because they kind of blamed it on Jose Fernandez's death. They're like, well, his death changed everything. We couldn't compete without him. No, you very easily could have. You had everything you needed. You just needed to go out and get some pitching, which was always their problem. But they didn't want to. And to use that as an excuse, which is gross. Yep. Speaking of gross, Mickey Calloway still has a job. (laughs) We're going to say this every week, by the way. Sorry if it's annoying, but I'm going to keep saying it every week until he doesn't have a job. We don't want to have to say it. It's annoying to have to say it. If you don't want to hear us say it, talk to the angels. Yep. Mm-hmm. Today is, we are recording this on March 23rd. Mickey Calloway still has a job. Let me Google when, at very, very riveting radio. I feel Google like it was January, wasn't When these it? allegations came out. It was January or February, like, duh. <laughs> I know that's kind of a broad range. There. Well, the Angels suspended Mickey Calloway on February second, and that was like a couple days. De- like, I think it took them like eighteen hours to suspend him. So, yeah, because they didn't do it for a full day. I don't think. So yeah, so like the fir- literally like February first. Yeah. yeah. Seven weeks. Yep. Long so, fucking time. We'll be keeping our Mickey Calloway days while he's days after sexual misconduct allegation, uh, allegations that he still has a job counter going for you guys. Uh, but yeah, that's a thing. Like this must be a hell of an investigation that the, that Major League Baseball is doing. And we've literally gotten updates that there is. is no update on this. Mm-hmm. So who knows if they're even doing anything at this point? It doesn't seem like it. Like. What are you investigating? Everything was right there. What else do you need? There are receipts. Like, I just... Literally, it's it's in black and white. It's it's right there. They have the texts. Like, there are text threads. They have them. Can't see, but I'm pointing right in front of me. That is (laughs) right there. They're right here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. But, yep, that's the thing. Um, but we will end the show, like we always do, with walk-off wins on a high note, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, we know what your walk-off win is this week, yes. so tell everyone. Okay, so I'm going to get emotional. We know that this is going to happen. But um, this has now become a little bit of a tradition because uh, my first ever walk-off win almost exactly two years ago um, was my daughter's birthday, second birthday at the time. Um, And then last year, her birthday was also my walk-off win because everything was awful and the whole world had shut down and my mom was sick. And we just had this little third birthday party for Ellie. And I made 
goodie bags for the whole family and we got a giant Doc McStuffins balloon. It was like this moment of joy in this incredible darkness. Um, so now her birthday is again my walk-off win. Um, but it's a totally new feeling of her friends were there, like her little nursery school friends and their families. We were all at the playground and we were all wearing masks and the little kids kind of spread out across a, a bench when it was cupcake time. And it was, um, it was just great. It was a really wonderful way to kind of feel like we're stepping into this new world and a new world for the kids too, because, you know, I mean, Ellie doesn't remember life before there was a pandemic really she remembers little bits and pieces of it but she turned three just when it was starting and now she's turned four um and like i don't know i just really needed her to have a a party in the playground and she got had her elsa dress and a little banner that said birthday princess like it was amazing it was just it's just like what a what a little girl's fourth birthday should should always be um, so that's, that's my walk off win. It was a really, it was a really special day. So happy birthday, Ellie. You are four. You are amazing. She is a rock star. Um, and she is beautiful. Um, so yes, happy birthday, and Ellie. Walk happy off birthday, dance. Ellie. Happy She's birthday, also Ellie. a style icon. Yes, she is. Yes. I wish I had that much style. At four or at any All age. you have to do literally is wear, uh, pajamas and tutus. All the time. That's not That's great. It. But I couldn't it's... pull it off. She can. I, have you tried? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can pull it off. I work from home. <laughs> I do work in a children's room, so maybe they'll think I'm cool. <laughs> I think they will. I feel like you've got a little bit of leeway in the tutu department. Yeah. <laughs> you should try it out, Linda. I oh, hope God. that... I hope that I hope that Ellie's fifth birthday will be even better than her fourth yes. birthday. That's what not I mean. a mask to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um. So on that note, Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Mine is kind of connected to that. Um. My walk-off win this week was I got my first dose of the vaccine. Yes. Um. Yay! Uh, finally, I finally qualified. Um technically as a government worker because technically i work for but then they said like public facing public workers so i qualified under that so march 17th i could finally register to get it and the whole process is a nightmare trying to get trying to get an appointment um so finally like oh my god i woke up so early that morning um trying to book an appointment i I, I pressed the wrong button, and then if you press the wrong button, the appointment's gone. So then I, like, was freaking out. Um, then I, like, while well, I was getting run and ready for work, I, like, I bought the computer in the bathroom with me. Like, I just hit clicking refresh the entire time. So finally, I got an appointment for April 29th, but then I found another one for April 9th, and then I found another one for April 1st, and then another one for March 26th, and then another one for March 20th, so like, I was like, canceling appointments, like, making appointments, canceling appointments, um, and then, as soon as I got the appointment for March 20th, 20th, work emails me saying, oh, we could get you an appointment, like, here, in, like, a special, like, site, just for, like, our workers, Uh, it was, like, for the county, like, for like government workers in the county so i ended up canceling the appointment i ended up getting anyway but um as someone who hates needles like the whole the whole process was it's hard to describe like you just felt lighter walking in and it was a beautiful spring day and everybody was just in a good mood everybody was friendly like and just to be like with that many people in the same space like, I can't even remember the last time that it happened, but, um, but people, like, people were chatting, and, like, and I ended up seeing two colleagues that I knew, um, so then I was able to chat with them, and as someone who hates needles, the shot itself is completely painless, like, the what I felt the most was her putting the band-aid on like I didn't feel the needle at all so if anybody's freaking out about that 
it's not a worry whatsoever. Um, my arm did feel sore. Um, and I had a little bit of a headache and I was a little tired, but you know, it was, it was all, it was all stuff that was doable, it was manageable. So everybody should get the vaccine. There's absolutely nothing to, you know, be afraid of. And I can't even describe just, you know, that hopeful feeling again. And it was springtime and it was weird because everybody knows after September 11th, like for, I want to say like a good month afterward, they played like only patriotic music on the radio. And one day I woke up and I heard Fallen by Alicia Keys on the radio. And it just struck me like, oh, this is normal. Like we're moving on. And the day I made my appointment, I was driving home from work and Fallen came on the radio and it struck me again because I always associated that with like a moving on and, and a normal scene. I just started sobbing, driving home from work. And then the next day driving to work, I heard it again on the radio. So it's, we're definitely moving. Like, like Maggie said, we're moving in the right direction and it's finally, finally there's light at the end of the tunnel and you know, a little bit of a, my arm still hurts, but I'm not I'm not going to complain about it because what an amazing thing and how far we've come in a year. Like Maggie said, like the the, the two different birthdays um, this time last year, things were still almost completely shut down or they were completely shut down. And now here we are getting vaccinated and moving on and being able to do things again. Like I can play on a Mets game. I can look at Mets tickets. And so, yeah, that's my Holocaust win, like, getting the vaccine. And I'm going back on April 17th, I think, to get my next one. So, yeah, there's an end date, which is just still blows my mind, considering where we were this time last year. It's amazing. Go science. It is. Science is amazing. Yes. I know you want to hear that. Yes, science is incredible. Science. Go science. And I would like to um, give an extra walk-off win on behalf of Kellyanne Healy, who is not on the show this week, because she got her first vaccine dose today. Um, So we have two partially vaccinated hosts now, um, so that's very good. And I treated myself to the New York Swagger J.D. Davis shirt as a treat, (laughs) because I feel like I got my swagger, which I'm currently podcasting in. You deserve it. Um, so that's very exciting. We're getting we're getting some some vac- vaccinated people on the show now, which is very exciting. Um, so my walk off win is that um, we got a nice email from a listener recently, and if if we don't reply to your emails right away, I promise that we see them. It's just that sometimes, especially when we get like an actually like long like heartfelt email that either like addresses some question that we talked about on the show or just is like complimentary of the show, we see them and we appreciate them and we love them. Please keep sending us emails. I just I flag it to respond later because I want to actually respond when I have time to like sit down and craft like an actual response rather just than just like thanks <laughs> I like to like actually take the time so sorry if we don't respond right away I promise that we see them and that we read all your messages um so thank you for sending them um we recently got a really lovely email from Bob Lamb and I just want to shout out Bob Lamb for sending this email because it made my entire week when I saw it um he just um I'm not going to read the whole thing on the show but he basically um talked about um our episodes on uh Jared Jared Porter and Trevor Bauer and misogyny in baseball and how he you know have has always cared about these issues because he teaches a course um at Queens College called the politics of sports and they they cover these issues in the course and so it's always been something that's been close to his heart um and he really empathizes with um our you know our discourse on it on the show and so I just really appreciate Bob taking the time to write and uh you know write and thank us for doing that show and we really thank you for your words bob we really appreciate it um having these allies is so important so thank you um yeah that email was really nice made my entire it was yeah really great um so that's my walk-off win for this week and that is the show for this week um 
in the meantime, while you're waiting for the next show, which will be our last podcast before opening day, um, we hope to have all four of us on for next week. And we have a special surprise for you guys for next week. We aren't telling what it is yet, but um, it's our last podcast before opening day and we have something fun planned. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. I just posted uh, today the final update of the King of Spring Training contest. So next week I will post the final polls so that we can vote as a community on the King of Spring Training. We continue to put up season previews um, every day um, and closing out a season preview for every single player on the roster. We're almost through them all now. Um, and then opening day, we're going to have opening week. We're going to have some really fantastic content for you all. We have some group posts where we've all contributed like our boldest predictions what we think the Mets record will be so we have a oh, few like thank you for reminding me I gotta do that <laughs> gotta do that um we have our like round table style posts going up as well as a few individual pieces previews of each of the positions so we have positional previews um infield outfield catching pitching um bullpen um, and a lot of other content for you. I think I, I'm working on a strength of schedule type piece right now where I go through the schedule and I identify the parts that might be easy coasting versus the parts that might be more difficult for the Mets. We're going to go over the state of the NL East, take a closer look at each of our rivals and how they're stacking up. So lots of exciting opening week content plan for you guys. Um, can't wait to share it all with you. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pot of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. And you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast app of choice. L- rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.